Hey, what's up, guys? This is Riquetti here, and I am with Justine Astacio uh, from Lotus Theory. And we're here for uh, the segment of FUBU, so For Us, By Us. And we're going to highlight some uh, really interesting and dope uh, black businesses. How are you? I'm great, babe. How are you? Oh, you know. <laughs> Just out here. Everyday struggle <laughs> in life. Yeah, it happens, it happens. <laughs> so first, I like to start my interviews with letting everyone know how we know each other. Okay. So do you remember? Yes. Okay. I do, I do. Uh, we met at a women's empowerment event. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the companies was honoring a couple of women. How many were there, like three or four? Mm-hmm. Um, From Butter Brooklyn. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you were you were the special guest with your beautiful voice. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> And when you were done, I was like, I just need to meet her. And it just so happened that you sat next to me because we were both ones that were just like, we didn't come there with a friend, right? Mm -hmm. So we just kind of clicked and we started talking about our passions and how we ended up there. And Mm -hmm. it was just, and now we're here, connected. Like, I think that was super dope. Well, thank you for uh, doing this as well. Uh, So... Real quick, let everyone know what you what your occupation is and how that translates to your to your business. So I am a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. Um, what I decided to do was put all my passions into my company. Mm-hmm. So the company is called Lotus Theory, mm-hmm. um, and it's about creating your balance, right? So it incorporates uh, therapy, fitness, and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, therapy I started to get into when I decided that I needed to work on myself a few years ago. Um, and I actually became my first client. How do you do that, though? Um, what you do is, one, you acknowledge that you just have some things you need to work on, right? <laughs> okay. You got to have these self-talks and you say, like, listen, I'm not perfect. There's some things that I need to take care of. And I don't like who I see when I look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I decided to pursue a career in mental health counseling. And when I started to do that, I actually had my own therapist also okay right so you also have to invest in yourself in that way Mm -hmm. um and then throughout that process i healed myself and then what i wanted to do is share my journey with others especially the brown community because we're not necessarily the first people to talk about our emotions because we weren't taught to say hey we're vulnerable hey you hurt me this Mm -hmm. is why um can you make sure you don't do that again right Right? or identify triggers Mm -hmm. um so i just decided to make that my career make it a company um because i do think that we need assistance with definitely communicating and saying how we feel as opposed to just reacting with anger right so um i want to kind of like double back a little bit because i know that you you mentioned that you work in a school oh yes 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 so for me, like, I've I worked at a school as well, mm-hmm. and I know that a lot of our kids have mm-hmm. anger issues. Yes. And people that, maybe, like, the social workers or um, the therapists that are in the schools might not necessarily look like them or understand mm-hmm. um, how to deal with them. So people outside of those commu- of those professions, how do we, how do we help support our kids? Like, do we just ask them, hey, are you okay? You know, mm-hmm. how are you feeling today? Right. What are some of the questions that we should ask them in order to kind of help open up that conversation for them to feel more comfortable in talking about their feelings? Um, I think it is about asking the specific questions, but I also think it's about sharing, mm-hmm. right? Like, and also 
sharing with them that you weren't okay or you're not okay right now, right? You may appear as this adult that you have everything together, but the reality is that you are struggling with a couple of things, right? And also just show them that you struggled when that you were a kid too. Right. Um, and sharing your experiences, like many a times, I guess our parents, you know, most of them, right? You hope they try our be- try their best to make sure that they raise good children, mm-hmm. right? However, they are not, some of them are not taught to express themselves, right? So what they pass along to their kids is, hey, you better not cry. Um, right? Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's a sign of weakness. What are you crying for? Stop it. Cut it out. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there is no room for them to be human, mm-hmm. right? And show their emotions. So I think as a community, I think we need to start saying, like, listen, are you hurting? It's okay to cry. Let it out. Mm-hmm. Right? I forgot where I left off. Um, it's okay for them to be themselves. Right. And it's okay Wait. for them. Oh. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, yes, it's okay for them to cry. It's okay for them to laugh. Mm-hmm. It's okay for them to feel insecure, right? These are the things that we don't talk about ever, ever in our community. And I think it's, it's hurting us as a whole. Right, and we look even girlfriends. Right, mm-hmm. we can look at each other like, "Hey, girl, you good? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. Why you Why you doing that? Right, and I think a part of it is one accepting it within ourselves that we're not okay, and then trusting the people that are around us to not be judgmental. Right, because have you ever had that experience, right, where you're not okay and you just couldn't hold it in anymore? Mm-hmm. All the time. And, right, it's a real thing, right? So, like, you couldn't hold it anymore, and you talk to your girl or one of your friends and your, or family member, whatever, right, and you're talking to them about what you're experiencing. And then, like, girl, thank you so much for sharing, because my life right now is mm-hmm. hell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? You're like, damn, why didn't you just say that from the beginning, right? Yeah. So, both people are just sitting there pretending. So, just to kind of go back to your question in terms, because I know I kind of drifted, um, in terms of our kids, is just... Showing them that it's okay to be human, to feel every single emotion, mm-hmm. whether it's sadness, whether it's being happy, and understanding that resilience means that every single emotion is temporary, right? Mm-hmm. So sadness, yeah, you're going to feel it for a little bit, but in a few days, you're going to be happy. So and the okay. same thing, right? Mm-hmm. And but the same thing with being happy, right? We get into this bliss of like, I'm here, I'm all right, I'm happy today, right? But understanding that you're not always going to be happy, then it's okay because it's called life. Yeah. Right? And then understanding the different techniques, like talking about it, having an, a healthy outlet, whether it's sports, whether it's fitness, whether it's journaling, whether it's singing, whatever that is, I think we as a community need to teach one another how to do that. Because there's different ways of expressing yourself mm-hmm. without having to be angry or be violent. Or scream and be controversial. So, mm. what is what's the difference between a psychotherapist, mm. which is that's what you right. that's your profession, mm. and a psychologist? I know a lot of people might be a little confused. Right. So psychologists are more of people who prescribe medication. Uh huh. Um, we definitely both diagnose. Uh, we use a DSM five for that. Um, however, they are there to prescribe medication. DSM-5? DSM-5. What's that? Right here. (laughs) It's the diagnostic tool that all therapists use, right? So it gives you a criteria, the different disorders, and then you decide what what 
the client fits under. Gotcha. So the main difference between a psychotherapist... That's it? Mm Mm-hmm. Is medication. Literally. So why did you choose to become a psychotherapist and a Mm -hmm. psychologist? Um, one, the schooling. It's a little extra schooling. (laughs) (laughs) To be quite honest. Um, and then... Listen, I've been in school for a long time. I'm kind of a little over it. Um, but it. also, the the other piece is that I don't necessarily believe that medication cures everything. Mm, okay. Um, I do think, I do believe in the power of humans. I do believe in the power of inner being. I do believe in the power of your mindset. And I believe you can change that. So because of that, I think majority of some of the stuff I do think needs, don't get me wrong, some of it I definitely think people need medication for especially the ones that are very severe mm-hmm. um however the majority i think you can heal yourself with the proper tools and techniques for sure um let's talk about your upbringing and how that led to mm-hmm. you going into this field so um well my it was interesting my mom is actually a guidance counselor okay um and my entire side of my mother's family um is in the education system okay um and, and, and my dad's side, however, is not my dad. Is a hustler. He grinds the way that he needs to grind. Um, and he just got his GED, right? As opposed to my mom got her master's and everything. Um, so initially I was into marketing, et cetera. But then I actually started when I was younger in my early 20s. Um, I started working at a nonprofit organization, a CBO, which is a community-based organization within a school. Um, And there I was, like, helping them with their marketing stuff and just added my internship for marketing um, just because they needed help with recruitment. So I started there, and then I actually started talking to this girl, this teenager, um, and she wasn't coming to school. She was having a very difficult time. She just had a baby. Okay. And her and I just got to talking, and she would come seek me out every single time that I was there. And then I told her, and I made a deal. I said, listen... You graduate, I will help you get another job and do what you need to do, right? If I don't see you here every single day, I will find you. Because she used she worked at White Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I will show up at your job and tell your boys that you need to come to school. <laughs> <laughs> so one day, but actually she called me out on it, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't show up. I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> she did that intentionally? think she did but you know when you tell somebody you're gonna do something they're like no whatever Mm -hmm. right you don't care that much right so she actually didn't come so I waited for my my chef to be over and I went to her job and I just stared at her (laughs) right from the register and I'm just looking at her like okay what are we doing here girl um but long story short it was actually a very touching experience because she's actually started to cry and she was like you know I never had anybody care for me as much as you did so I pulled her out you know, at the time she was in night school, so I brought her to school and she graduated. You still keep in contact with her? Yeah, periodically she gets me up to tell me. She's like, let me tell you what I'm doing. She updates me on her jobs and how her baby is. Um, and now she works at a bank. So, you know, she's doing pretty well for herself. I'm, I'm proud of her. I'm just happy she graduated. So that was like, was that the pivoting moment? Yeah, to, to go in. And then I, that's when I said, you know what, let me get my master's in school counseling. Mm. Um, but then it was a freeze in guidance counselors in New York City. So hmm. when I graduated, I didn't, I couldn't get a job. Way to go. Right? Oops. Isn't that, like, you gotta love the city, right? Especially, like, a position like that. That so essential, would, too. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, so, anyway, um, 
I ended up was working at a nonprofit called The Door. I was in management there for about three years, three and a half years. And then the freeze opened up and I went into school counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, then this is when like the whole my moment came in terms of healing me. Um, this is all happening simultaneously. And then I, within the DOE, in order for you to make more money, right, mm-hmm. to get a little more cash in your pockets. Because guidance counselors and teachers make so much right, money to start you know, I'm just a millionaire out here. <laughs> um, you need to get, you need to obtain credits, more credits in a specific field, which then prompted me to get more credits in mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I started to get into that, I started working on this woman who had a private practice and I fell in love. And I was like, this is what I need to be doing for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, leading up to this, how um, your business, mm-hmm. Lotus Theory, what is it? And um, what exactly is it? We just we touched a little bit yeah, yeah. on it uh, in the beginning, but what exactly is it? And what was like your defining moment like was there like a specific moment a specific yeah, thing that happened that said all right well I'm I'm I've healed myself to the to the point where I feel like I am qualified and I'm comfortable enough to help others um I was actually sitting in this very apartment <laughs> in the living room <laughs> uh with my friend uh one of my very close friends and we were talking and you know, she's been with me for about 10 years. And while I was going through my process, I was actually aspiring her to go through hers. Mm-hmm. You don't realize that. Um, but I was I was very open when, when I was going through my, enti- my entire process with just healing. Um, and she started to confide in me and tell me how I assisted her and um, made her, gave her the courage to actually look within, right? Because it's very scary mm-hmm. to... Um, tell to yourself in others, yeah. yeah but also to be like oh you're not the issue I'm the issue that's scary to admit it to yourself right mm-hmm. to say I can no longer point the finger the person who was actually responsible for everything that has been transpiring in my life is that's big what so, are the oh, mm-hmm. sorry okay what are the services that you offer for people and like um, I guess like are there any diagnostic uh, things that, that people have to go through in order for you to um, see if you'd actually be able to help them? Like, have you ever even turned anyone away? Yeah, like, I've had, um, <clears throat> I've had clients. So, my big thing is, when I meet a client, most of, most of them actually reach out to you. So, that gives you some type of indication that they are ready to do some self-healing or acknowledge what's happening. However... I've had had clients come to me before just for court purposes, right? What are court purposes? Court purposes is saying, hey, I need you to diagnose me with this so I can get disability, mm. right? And or they um, need to say that they're seeing me so they won't lose their kids, right? Like, it's a real thing. Um, what happens in, I want to say about, 50 to 60 percent of those cases is that the person is not invested right mm. so they're not, so they're just doing it to they're do just it doing and it just because right so as ethically right, right as a therapist like it's very difficult for me to write you a letter and i don't think you've done the work right right um so those are the cases that i've actually 
within like the second or third session, you kind of realize like, hey, this is not a good match. Um, however, I can try to refer you to another counselor. Um, but as of right now, I can't help you. Mm. Um, and that's considered like, the, you know, a terminating session. Um, because you'd rather do that than continue with them realizing that you're not helping. Right. right? Um, so most of the time, my clients, I and it was funny, uh, one of my, my mentor, I always say this, like when I first started and I got my first client, I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Because <laughs> you're getting tested, you're like, oh my God, this is nerve wracking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she told me, she said... Um, you don't want to steer anyone. <laughs> right, right. But she also, she also said to me, she goes... Well, Justine, um, I'm a firm believer that the clients who are meant for you will be free, will be there for you, right? So I, what that translated to me was that you call on the clients that need you. They look for you, right? And I can honestly say all of my clients, we all have some type of similarity, right? And they all are eager to work on themselves. How do people find you? Um, my website mm-hmm. or word, word of mouth is big. Right. Um, so a lot of word of mouth, a lot of referrals I've gotten. Um, and that's pretty much how my clientele has built. Um, but even, so I do the therapy piece and then I also do fitness, um, and nutrition because those three are all my passions. Mm-hmm. So going back to the conversation with my friend, she's like, oh my goodness, Justine, like, you should actually do this. And I was like, what do you mean I do this? Right? So we're like, she's like, no, you should actually like, you know, I know you're doing a therapy, but she was like, you know, like you're into fitness and nutrition. And I said, yeah. And I was like, I wish I just can find a way to put them all together. Mm-hmm. Why not? And that's right. Exactly. And she's like, well, why not? Um, and then that's exactly what I did because I do strongly believe that um, the body and the mind is very connected, right? And fitness plays a very big part, whether you're into yoga, whether you're into boxing, whatever your niche is, right? Mm. You still need to move. Right. Um, so my goal is to encourage people to do that. How do you think, I mean, all right, let me double back. Mm-hmm. Your clientele, like the, the age range of your clientele, mm-hmm. is it like a specific age range or does it vary? It does vary. I do adults, couples, but I also do teenagers. That's mm-hmm. guidance counseling because I am a guidance counselor at high school. Right. Um, but I've also done a little younger from seven and up. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a challenge <laughs> for me for uh, the person who was supervising me at the moment. She, you know, she said, you know, just being like, I want you to step out of your comfort zone and do kids and do some play therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did it. And, you know. I actually do enjoy it, um, but I only have a handful of kids right now. Mm-hmm. As far as, like, millennials are concerned, do you have a, a large amount or, like, mm-hmm. a, a substantial amount of millennials? I do. Uh, mm-hmm. So my question, because I we're millennials. Mm-hmm, we are. <laughs> so for me, I've noticed that we've gone through a lot of changes, mm-hmm. um, especially with technology. Technology is such a vital and prominent um, it plays such a prominent role in our lives. How have you seen that affect people's well-being? Oh, it affects people a lot, right? So it can be... Social media is huge um, in terms of affecting people with their just growth and how it heightens people's insecurities. And um, for instance, I have a client who... 
she gets annoyed that her boyfriend does not post her or their relationship all the time on his social media page. Right. So what if he didn't have a social media page? Right. Right. So these are the things that I actually bump into, um, which then gives me the opening to kind of dig more into their insecurities, right? So asking them, what is that? What would that do for you? What does that represent for you? And 10 years ago, that wasn't even... Right. It wasn't even thought. Um, so yeah, technology is huge. And, and the fact that like, because we walk around with these phones, these gadgets of ours, right? We are expected to be available all the time. Right. Right. And this is something I also suffer sometimes too, in terms of just like a disconnect. Right. And people don't understand that you need to disconnect to balance out your mind. Right. To be able to think rationally as opposed to always being on. Right. Think about a light. The bulb is always on. It's going to burn out. Right. If you don't turn it on off sometimes, you're going to have to replace that bulb. Mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges uh, you face as an entrepreneur in, in would you call this a service-based industry? I, I feel like it's more of a, an emotional. Well, I call base. it like a holistic piece. Okay. For sure. Um, but it is a service, mm-hmm. right? Ultimately. Um, it is a bit of a struggle. Uh, for multiple reasons, right? When you're trying to find kind of like your mark in the world and what things should look like, right? Going back to social media, going back to technology. You see everybody else out there, how they post, right? That, this is me r- literally right now. It's a like, serious thing. It really is. is up and I'm like, man, I should probably post. I mean, should probably do something, right? Right, and it's, it's, a, it's a real internal struggle. And also kind of like, I'm not a fan of like, talking into the, the phone and preaching, that's not me, right? And I see so many people doing that, and it was a period of my life where, as we an entrepreneur, like, oh, damn, should I be doing this right now? What do you mean talking into the phone? So, like, talking is so many people who literally grab their phone, right, and say, well, this is what you need to do today. Do you see mm-hmm. your, your clients, is it usually face-to-face or on my, the phone? Face-to-face and yeah. on the phone. Okay. Um, many of them, I... It kind of, I would say 50-50 or maybe 60-40. 60 face-to-face, 40 on the phone. Mm. Um, but most of them start off face-to-face, and then they transition to the phone. Okay. Um, I do believe in that interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also very confidential. Right. Um, so when I see, again, going back to that, when I see people post about their clients and all this other stuff, I'm like, girl, what? like, what is happening today? Like, And I, I question, like, should I be doing that? Because then you see how many posts it like likes and how popular they are, but it's just kind of like you have to figure out what exactly your mark is. They put their they don't put their names. No, they don't put their names. But even then, they right? Talk about they talk about like oh how you know um, this is what what are my breakthroughs and I get it for promotional purposes, right? right? But I still have this struggle within me, and as a therapist or anybody who provides a service that is confidential, um, it's. It, it means something to me to kind of not put their wording out there, right? Even mm-hmm. if they're fine with it. Like, right. it's just kind of like, no. What we talk about is what we talk about. If you choose to discuss so, right. that, mm-hmm. then that's on you. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. How do you maintain um, your well-being dealing with everyone else's mm-hmm. problems? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a lot of times I have to talk to myself, right? And say, <laughs> Justine, um, you need to practice what you preach, right? Um, it's, it's hilarious. 
I just you said that because um, I was literally saying that to myself earlier. Um, but what I do mainly is I have like a morning ritual. Mm-hmm. So I wake up in the morning. I do a quick 10-minute workout because I need to move a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I meditate for about 10 to 15 minutes. And then sometimes if I need a little bit of extra <laughs> motivation that day, <laughs> um, I then put in my earbuds. And when I'm driving to work, I listen to Abraham Hicks. Um, which is someone who talks a lot about the universe and trusting the universe. And, mm. um, but yeah, but mainly like, I don't feel burnt out when I'm with my clients because I actually genuinely enjoy them. Okay. I do. Mm-hmm. I really, really, those are my babies. Like, I definitely enjoy them. I love when they make breakthroughs. I'm like super hyped for them. Like, I'm the one living this life with them um, because it, it, it's so much strength that comes behind that when you recognize your shortcomings and is willing to fight through that and then own who you are. Like, so many people work on, try to work on, hey, this is my weakness, so I gotta work on it. No, baby. Like, sometimes, like, you're just not gonna be able to make that weakness into a full-blown strength. So why not just identify your triggers? Okay, and just know how to deal with it. Yeah, and that's it. And you'll be breathing through it. It's, It's okay. It's all right. So, um, in the spirit of Women's History Month, mm-hmm. which is literally yeah. like tomorrow, right? <laughs> 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 and um, as an Afro Latina, um, I know that I spoke to you when I asked you to do this. Um, I just feel like I have a great respect mm-hmm. for um, the Latino community, especially like the music. Um, my dad was very instrumental on introducing me to La Buena Vista Social Club. And, That's cool. And, um, you know, don't be surprised if you don't, if you hear me do a couple Spanish things. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, wedding, wedding. I might come be my hair. Is this right? <laughs> so, um, I feel like, uh, what's her name? Amara La Negra. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I've... I've a, I've lived in DR. I've experienced what it is it's to a serious thing. to be black mm-hmm. yeah. in in Latin America. Um, so when she came on there, it wasn't a surprise to me mm-hmm. as far as people's reactions. But for a lot sure. of people, they were very surprised. Um, let's educate the masses. Who are? Can you give me like your top three Afro Latinas? Not really. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was thinking to myself, I was like, do I have to study before I get on this <laughs> interview? Um, I would say... <laughs> Shit, girl. Can I get back to that one? Yeah. Give me a second time. on that one. We can always edit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so, keeping with the theme of the revolution. Mm-hmm. What is your role in the revolution? To heal our community. What is your definition of a revolution? Change. Mm-hmm. Um, and a movement amongst the brown people. Um, I think that we need to come more together as opposed to continuing to identify what our differences are and create segregation within our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that comes from a lot of anger. I think that comes from... Anger at who, though? Anger um, amongst ourselves or... I think it's... Misdirected? Right. I think it's definitely misdirected. Um, And I think because we don't have solid answers, we just... Yeah. Look at one another and blame one another for what's happening. Solid answers as to who we are. Yes. 
Right. Yeah. So I think um, there's just a movement of us healing. Like, I really, really want us to say, like, it's interesting. Um, my best friend and I, she uh, <clears throat> she's Jamaican, and she's a darker-skinned woman, right? So her and I have these debates all the time. And she's like, Justine, you don't get it. You don't understand what it is to be a brown woman in the community. That, like, furiates me to no end. So her and I, like, literally go... And mind you, this is my best friend, mm. right? So she's been with me since I was 14, okay? It's about... 20 years. Um, and she always says, like, you don't get it. Like, you don't understand what it is to be, have racist slurs thrown at you and like, all this stuff, right? And one day I kind of had to shut her down, right? Because I lived in North Carolina for two years. So and I remember. They see you as black, period. Hello. Like, right. they don't, there's black people right. in what Spanish country? Listen, when I was there, you were either white, black, or Mexican, boo. Mm-hmm. There was no in between, mm-hmm. okay? Um, so, anyway, I told this story happened to me when I was out there. I was just like 21. Yeah, 21. And I was driving along, trying to get some Domino's pizza. I was being fat that day. I wanted some, <laughs> you know, some cheese, some bread. <laughs> Um, and I made a U-turn because it was like in a cul-de-sac, like kind of like one of those malls. <laughs> um, and I pulled in and I didn't realize like this like pickup truck was behind me. Okay. It's very real. <laughs> so I didn't realize it. So I get out the car, pickup truck pulls on the side of me, literally pulls out a shotgun and was like, you stupid black bitch you cut me off I should blow your head off right now was it and it was literally this white promises going like just really just and I was stuck like you know when you just froze like mm-hmm. you freeze yeah and it's like a shotgun like literally in my face and he laughed and drove off this so, was in the middle of the day this was oh, I want to say about 8 o'clock at night so it was night time and so going back to my best friend when we have these debates, right? And, you know, she's like, you never experienced things or whatever. So every time I bring that up, right, I always say to her, right, my experiences may not be the same as yours. Everybody's is going to be Just like yours isn't mine, mm-hmm. right? However, that doesn't take away the fact that I'm a brown woman mm-hmm. in this community. Like even the fact that we say black and brown, can we just say brown? Like, the last time I checked, you're not the color of your sweater that you have on, right? <laughs> like, we learned our colors in kindergarten. Come on, like, <laughs> let's be real. Can we just say, like, we're a brown community? Can we just say that? Can we say in that realm as opposed to saying, well, brown and black? Mm-hmm. Why? For what? Like, it just, it's, it's so interesting to me. And I think because we constantly do that, naturally, because it's embedded in us, right? It's very hard for us to heal because we don't know which side of us we're supposed to accept. Or we don't know which side of us we're supposed to say, this is actually me adding to this, not what somebody taught me. How, how was it for you growing up as an Afro-Latina? Like, was that um, something that um your parents like instill as far as like being prideful because i know a lot i know some people who are afro-latinas or afro-latinos and 
it's like, don't wear your hair like that. Oh, yeah, you girl. You know what I mean? What? Yes, yes, don't yes. Don't do that or don't stay outside uh-huh. too long or... So. so my mom... Um, and where are your parents from? Too? My mom is Dominican and my father's Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom was very big on that. So growing up... Like, Which is very... Interesting, right? It's very rare, and I I can say that. Well, no, that. no, no. She wasn't big on Afro Latino. Let me be clear. Hmm. So my mom, she was very big on like Dominican, like, and my Dominican coach is probably gonna kill me for saying this, but like a Dominican hick, right? Like, hick, like you are straight off the boat, right? So oh, she's like super. <laughs> she's like super, like real Dominican, right? Real Dominican, like you know, like hair blown out straight, dead straight, like relaxed the galore. You walking around with like. Like, it's a real thing. Tight pants. Like, where are you going? I don't understand. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so, my mom, growing up, that was my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom was the person who, um, who literally was like, no, your hair can't curl. Right? She can't? Can't. She smacked a relax in my head, I want to say about, like, seven or eight. Um, and it's into... So what you say about your hair now? Oh, we went to stages. <laughs> let me tell you. So about, <laughs> I went natural about four, four or five years ago. And I just decided to just cut my relax out. So I literally was walking around with a short, short cut. Like you could see my scalp. Mm. Like it was a real thing. Um, and my hair, my, my curls started to show. Um, I was literally walking around here like, you know, you, you remember those, you know how those old, uh, older Puerto Rican women look very strong where they have like the bob. Mm. Like not a like a real like close cut, but it's curls and it's like salt and pepper hair. Mm-hmm. That was me with just brown hair, right? And a younger version. Um and when I did that, she was like, Oh my god, Jess, you look like a boy. It was like this whole big thing. Um and I was like, I don't care. Like I wanna be natural. I'm tired of all this crap that I put in my hair. Mm. And I want my curls to just be out here. Like and I wanna live and I wanna be free. Within that journey though, it was very interesting. Um, one with the response from my my parents. My dad was just like, "Whatever you want to do, I don't care." <laughs> you know, he was like, "Whatever, Jess, I don't care." You yeah. know. Um, but my mom, you know, she would constantly remind me of like how I look like a boy. And again, not trying to hurt me, it was just how she was raised. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, she uh, as the time went on, my hair was growing out. But even like the response of within our culture, like was interesting from when I went from bone long straight hair to natural short hair it was very interesting um I would get constant like looks and it wasn't like good looks it was like girl what you done did yeah, to yourself what happened to you <laughs> right. like, like you, you going to yourself over, right. like, <laughs> I went to VR 10 years ago mm-hmm. 10 years ago and I, my hair's always been natural and I used to walk into the hair salons like, hey, can I get a blowout? They'd be like, no, your hair can't blow up. I'm like, listen, it can. It can. Are you going to do Are it you or gonna not? Are going to put in the work? Right. Right. <coughs> I, I had to, you, I've, I learned a lot of lessons, a lot of oh, hard man. lessons living there. And I used to talk to my dad and be like, oh my God, I want to, I, I, I stayed there for a couple months. I stayed there for a semester. And I was like, I want to come home right now. Like mm-hmm. I used to cry and be like, oh my it's God. Serious. Because it's. You know what it is? It's very... It's one thing for, like, a white person or someone that doesn't look like you to be racist, mm-hmm. but for someone that looks Living like you, culture. it's, like, a whole nother it's a level It's level. It is. It, and it's, a, like, it's a... Because, it, like, at that point, you don't know where you fit in, right? So you're like, hey, I'm part of the Latino world, 
but you're not accepting me for who I am. Right. But then when I'm in the American culture, it's like... You're what? You're what? Yeah. What are you? You're confused. You're confused. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, oh, you're not you're not a black girl. Like, what are you doing here? Like, so you constantly, like, stick in the middle of, like, all right, well, I got to figure this out on my own, right? Mm-hmm. And then naturally become your own person, right? And then as years go on, though, my mom, interesting enough, decided to go natural herself. I had to figure it out. So I'm sitting here looking at this woman, this little lady, and I'm like, did you just cut your hair off? Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you know, Jess, I just want to be like you. My hair curl. Like, I want my hair to be like... Because now it's big, right? So right, now right. everybody wants a big fro. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to start out low and then go through that process. But it's a, I, I feel like it's a very powerful journey, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Like, I'm happy that I did it. But people naturally want to go to the big fro and be like, oh, my God, my hair's curly. You know, I'm out here looking cute. And that's where my mom is at right now. But she's actually went natural. And... It's interesting because that's just a piece of her who, like, sticks to, I want to say, the white culture, right? That's a whole so other story a, that that's we got to have. Right. So that's a piece of her that does that. But, the, but then the other side of it is, like, listen, she'll openly say I'm a black woman. Isn't that interesting? That's, I've never heard that. She story. is. Like, and, like, she literally is. Like, she'll openly like, I'm a black woman. Like, if sense come out, she will literally check black. Hmm. Right? But yet... Your hair got to be straight, though. Right? So it was, a, it was an interesting way of growing up because you didn't know what to do. You were just like, wait, if I do this too much, like, <laughs> that, that won't work. Right? Yeah. Um, but now, obviously, it's it's much better. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting. Have you always been able to maintain such a strong sense of self? And is that why you've been able to kind of gravitate into this field? Um, yes. For the most part. I mean, I do definitely for sure have my insecurities. We all do. Right. Um, but for sure, it was just like when something didn't feel right and my mind was set, I didn't care. Like, it was one of those things. That... For people that don't, I mean, this might be a loaded question, but for mm-hmm. people who are still trying to find their way in the world, um, especially for people in their 20s, mm-hmm. uh, and social media plays a large part because there are right, a lot of people doing a lot of things that may seem nice mm-hmm. uh, and it may seem that these people have their stuff together but that's yeah. not necessarily the case mm-hmm. um, people f- I, from what I've learned mm-hmm. I have my short time here <laughs> I feel like um, you have to go through certain things in order to really find who you are like mm-hmm. I've been doing music for maybe four or five years as an independent artist. I've always been doing music, but um, as an independent artist and because of who my father was, mm-hmm. like... Um, yeah, you had to, you had to represent. I, right. Mm-hmm. My name is Nefokara Raketti Aaron. Yeah. Right. He, there was live. no confusion as mm-hmm. to who I was. Absolutely. And um, because, uh, I'm not sure if I, I, I know I mentioned it to you, so he, Spirit had like a African focused organization called African Echoes, right? Mm-hmm. And literally, if he would go somewhere, he would go and find the black people. Anywhere. I remember you telling me that. Yeah, yeah he uh-huh. would go and find the black people. He would go and find the native people because he wanted to know the, what the he called the truth. Right. Um, and for me, I've always kind of struggled with you know, doing like these fun songs, these mm-hmm. turn up songs, and then doing a song like War. Right. But that's something, that's who I've always been. Mm-hmm. It's just that I've had to try to find my way into um, 
being able to present it to my audience. And if mm-hmm. they like it, they don't like it. And what I've learned, I've learned a very valuable lesson as far as like my dad was concerned. A lot of the times, like he was eating couscous 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's he been was going on for a while, the healthy eating for sure. He was heavy uh-huh. on the coconut oil and taking the vitamins mm-hmm. and doing everything out. And that was something that he really I think at times it was kind of like forced upon him, like, mm-hmm. no, do this. And, you know, I was telling my mom the other day, like, he was doing this 20, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. and people are now catching on. He's always been able to maintain a sense of self so. because he always knew what he was doing was right, and it worked for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think that... <laughs> Unfortunately, people, especially in their 20s and the millennials, like, I hope that people learn that experiences, yeah, they do shape, um, you know, what will happen to you, mm-hmm. but you also have to learn from your mistakes. I've learned a lot from my mistakes, and I've, I've learned that it's okay to be different. Like, I've always been different, mm-hmm. and I, it's something that I used to, like, shy away from. Mm-hmm. So in doing war... I was like, I've, I've, I did the song maybe like two years ago. What? I, I didn't finish it until okay. recently, but I started it maybe like two years ago. I kind of didn't know what to write. Silly mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. There was too much going on for me not to know what right. to write. But it was really a matter of how do I present this information to people and for it not to seem like a fad as well. Mm-hmm. Even somebody that I was talking to, he was just like, so this social stuff, is this something that you're doing? Like, you know, is this it? Right. And no, this isn't it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like there can be a balance for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is who, this is a large part of who I am, but this isn't the only mm-hmm. um, section of, or, or like, this is not the only piece of who I am. Mm-hmm. So, how, I know I just like went real pretty. No, I love it. I'm just, yeah. you know, here listening. <laughs> Take it in, girl. <laughs> so, as far as Lotus Theory is concerned, where did the name come from mm-hmm. and where do you where do you want to see it in the next five years so I've always loved um, <clears throat> lotuses just because of the story the resilience within that flower right um, how it was brought up how it grows how it blossoms into this beautiful flower right it's in a muddy nasty environment right but then it blossoms into this amazing beauty um, and to me that represents resilience and strength And I would always say that that was me. Like, growing up, definitely went through trials and tribulations. My parents had me very young. My mom was 17. My dad was 19. Mm -hmm. So I always say, like, my parents were my parents. They were, like, my siblings. Oh, my gosh. Um, Which I enjoy because I I would never change anything that I how I grew up. But, you know, I faced some challenges, a lot of challenges in life. And I've always found found a way eventually, maybe not right away, but eventually to find the silver lining in that. Um, the theory piece came in because I actually created my own theory, my own formula. Mm. So kind of going back to when you said, like, what do I use to see if my clients fit into this piece, mm. right? Um, and the idea is to say, ask them if they want to create balance in their life, right? So what the formula looks like is called S squared plus L squared equals balance, S squared is stands for strength, serenity, and then L squared is love and life, right? So for instance, serenity, it embodies anything that makes your heart smile, right? Anything that makes you feel whole, anything that makes you feel at peace, right? So for instance, one of the things that I enjoy so much is just watching the sunset, 
um, is a beauty for me, right? It it reminds me, one, that there is a higher being, right? It reminds me that there is beauty in this world, even with all the chaos, mm-hmm. right? And it's very soothing to me just to be connected with nature. Mm-hmm. Um, the other piece is strength. So it goes back to finding your movement, right? Like, for me, there's power in doing a push-up, right? So many women are like, I don't want to do no damn push-up, right? I'm like, girl, get, why you don't want to do a push-up? Oh, because I can't, right? So you got to train them to do it, right? Mm. There's power in me being in the gym and saying, I could do a pull-up, I could do a few, and men are looking at me like, look at this woman, <laughs> right? Like, I enjoy that, right? Um, and then it also just is a stress reliever for me. Um, and I have my clients identify those things. Love and life. Life is just understanding that you cannot take over the world in one day, right? And you have to organize things in a way where you find ways to have a break in your life, right? So at work, so many of us don't take a lunch break, including myself sometimes, right? Because the day just goes. But you have to remind yourself that it's okay to remove yourself for 15 minutes, right? Or say that this pile right here is not going to get done by the end of the day, and that's okay. It'll be there again the following. Um, Life challenges, finances, right? Trusting in yourself that you will find a way to survive because you have been, right? And understanding your strengths within that. Love is something that um, I love. It's one of my favorite variables. Um, Love is healing the relationships that may have not served you very well, right? But understanding your contribution within that and how you just loved yourself back by realizing how you contributed to that situation and maybe what you can do differently, right? Because there's a lot of people that I know Mm -hmm. who it's... You think that the relationship, and, and I'm, I'm speaking from like a, a mm-hmm. friend standpoint mm-hmm. where I love my friends and it just didn't work out and it's okay. And it hurts. And mm-hmm. it, for me, like mm-hmm. I've, over the years, I've tried to think about the things that I've done, like my shortcomings mm-hmm. and try to avoid doing that again, right, of course. Right, right. And just um, thinking about like the things that I wish that they would have done mm-hmm. and keep it moving and keep it moving yeah and you know a lot of times even with that right like understanding that they may have not been in a place right then there to give you right what it is that you needed in that friendship right right? and and you asking them too like hey are you okay right that that was like a big the biggest thing for me like I I lost a lot of friends starting music because at that point in time everybody had just kind of graduated or they were Mm -hmm. still in school and Everybody was just literally trying to find their selves, trying to find, mm-hmm. trying to get their stuff together. Yeah, they were having a moment. And lack of communication mm-hmm. and blowouts. And yeah. then you have no more friendship. Yeah. But you know what is interesting? Because some of those actually come back around. In time. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's also like the other piece of the love piece and relationship. Because as you go older, get older, excuse me, you actually realize that the most important things in your life are the relationships that you've built. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we can talk about finances for days. We can talk about all those other things. But what really brings you happiness is the connections that you have with people that you love. Right? And within that is also identifying how you're fueling those relationships. Right? Like, many times, like, we take them for granted or many times we don't realize, like, how much that person plays a value in our life. Right? 
we need to fuel those too. Like instead of saying, okay, we need to remove this all the time from my life and because this no longer serves me, all right, let's not pay attention to that because that's negative, right? Why don't we pay attention to the relationships that you do have and the ones that you can actually really fuel and empower more and embrace more and love more, right? And I think we don't concentrate a lot on that. We concentrate a lot on like, well, if the 2018 girl, if this doesn't serve me, I'm out of here. Like, what? Like, hold on, time out, right? Like, can we can we talk about some other stuff? So anyway, that 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 um new year, that, new year. yes, it's this whole big thing that happens. But you know, the formula as a whole is about creating balance. So when you feel a little down and you feel like life is just not going the way that you need it. Like mm-hmm. it's called self scans that I teach my clients to do. Self scans. Yeah. So it's kind of like you sit down and maybe after you finish meditating, you can ask yourself, what are you lacking at that moment? Is it more me time? Is it the fact that you're not challenging your body physically? You want to do more of that. Mm. Um, is it your finances? Is it something that you can control? Um, and then is it if you need a hug from somebody that just brings you joy, right? Like, and understanding what you need at that moment. Cause I, and that all comes with vulnerability. So if you don't have vulnerability, you're not going to check into the things that you need. Everybody is always talking about the grind. <laughs> Everybody's always talking about that damn grind. Everybody's okay. talking about the grind, and um, I've fallen victim to the oh, grind. Same. <laughs> what are. Um, yeah, so everybody always talks about this lovely grind, and um, I know a lot of entrepreneurs. What are three self-care tips that you would give them um, in order to help maintain a sense of, like, well-being in order to continue this lovely grind? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Well, for starters, like, understand that everybody has their own pace. Right. Right? And this thing that we call the grind, I think people define it very differently. And... I think when you're passionate about something, it's not a grind, right? Like, I don't think that you have to literally sacrifice yourself all the time to make your dreams happen, like, and make your passion happen. Like, I don't, I don't, your passion comes to life, right? Mm. Um, I think it's about working smarter, not harder, right? Um, I think it's about recognizing that if you're forcing something. So, for instance, let's say an event comes up. Right, and you don't want to go, and you feel it in yourself that you just don't want to go. You're not up for it. You could care less about doing any of it. Right? You have to ask yourself when you go into these work networking events, you're presenting who you are. Are you going to be on? So are you going to give your business a, the good brand that it's supposed to have? Right? Mm-hmm. Are you going to big it up the way it's supposed to, or you're going to be this person who feels forced? Because people feel that. Mm-hmm. Right. So your sales pitch is not going to be as great as it was if you were in the mood to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So why not just give yourself that second? Right. So why don't you put on one of your favorite comedies and just chill for a second as opposed to going to that networking event? Because if it's for you, it will be for you. Right. Um, the other piece is, like I said before, understanding that everybody's on their own path. Right. So with social media, going back to that all the time, right? I think this grind, mm-hmm. um, 
happens when people look on social media, right? So they're like, oh, this person is doing this, this person is doing that. Why am I not doing that, right? This is what the person may just want you to see, right? Right? They could have literally did three networking events in one week and decided to post it on different days and been chilling for the other three weeks. Yeah. But you out here trying to be that person, so you over here killing yourself and not being authentically you. You have to understand what your path is. For sure. You have to understand what your right. purpose is. What like, your purpose is, for sure. I went to um another... He, he's going to be in um for the culture, and he had an event um in Huntsville, Alabama. He went mm-hmm. back to his alma mater, brought it back... And um, the alumni came and they were just talking about, um, you know, how they got to where they were. But the main, the theme of it was like understanding your purpose. Right. And for me, I, you know, I I don't know how long this will last. I probably would forever do this. But Mm -hmm. I always like try to relate things and like think about the things that my dad has taught me. um, Which is good. And the way that he's move and this is based on what people tell me too uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> what I've noticed is that he was able to conduct himself in a manner where he was able to have individual and very personal relationships with people mm-hmm. and help them do different things mm-hmm. that have severely impacted their life mm-hmm. he understood what his purpose was right. like my dad he was a loan officer for the federal <laughs> government you know what I mean right. of all the things right. to do right. and, and um, I, I think a lot of people would be quite tickled because if, if pe- when, from the people that have met my dad, like my dad's like super black power, mm-hmm. super pro, like mm-hmm. do it yourself and very empowering. Uh, but he understood his purpose and he understood his role in just trying to help people to get to where they needed to be. Right. Um, and specifically people of, of color and of African descent. And a lot of the times he equipped them with information more so than anything else, whether or not they took it. Right. That's on them. That's on them. And mm-hmm. maybe, you know, like me, a, a lot of times, and it's your parent, too. Mm-hmm. He said something like, oh, okay. Right. But like, whatever, looking, Dad. Right. <laughs> looking back now, just like, mm-hmm. you're right. You're right. You got it. You have to understand what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, I feel like this has been very healing. Yeah. Um, not going to I haven't cried yet. <laughs> right. I, haven't, I haven't cried yet. It's all good, though. You can. You can. I know, I know. Okay. But I don't want to... <laughs> right, right, right. I don't want to put anyone in, like, an awkward position. But uh, for me, it's been very empowering, and I, I, I'm happy that I was able to do this with people, um, especially people that, you know, have never met him, because mm-hmm. I know that these are the things that he would enjoy. Mm-hmm. And um, in order for me to use this platform to give people information that they might not have had before right so i want to thank you so very much for inviting me into your lovely apartment of course having this lovely uh (laughs) condensed conversation about everything from hair to being you Mm. to having a purpose to lotus theory oh you know you didn't even answer my question which next five years Mm. lotus theory Oh, girl, I am trying to infiltrate these companies, these mm-hmm. corporations. I am trying, and I will, mm-hmm. um, to do a lot of, like, staff development and be the on-call therapist for corporations and really just serve us mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the idea within the next five years, and to have my own 
office. I have an office now, but I want a bigger one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I Ooh. can pull all the services in. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like a small little box, but you know, you gotta start somewhere. Um, sure. but yeah, so I wanna, I wanna do that. I wanna talk about the formula a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps maybe write a guide to it mm-hmm. one of these days. Um, but really just overall just empower, especially our brown community to be you right to heal and to be okay with saying that you're not okay mm. right yeah. and accept that so that is lotus theory goal and it just just seen like everything that i do i am extremely extremely passionate about and i love dearly so anybody that i invest my energy in is people who i actually really really just want their well-being and I want them to be okay. And I want them to be them. And I want them to be able to like, yo, I've arrived. Because mm. healing helps you arrive. Healing helps you face your demons and say, I don't like my mom. Openly say that. Right? It's a real thing. <laughs> you know? And say, like, I don't like who I am today. Or I'm not in a good space. Or I'm happy today. I'm proud of myself today. Right? Healing does all of that. So when you really look at yourself and look in the mirror and accept who you are and identify your triggers and cry and let it out and laugh simultaneously because you don't know which emotion to feel, um, and you can own that with people, you have arrived. Mm. For sure. Well, on that (laughs) note. So we have Justine. Astacio. Astacio. It's all good. It's all good. The nervous. I feel like I have no reason to mess up anyone's name. (laughs) I feel no guilt at all. I'm like, damn. I was like, I know it's R. I'm like, how do you pronounce it? (laughs) Listen, trust me. I must. I jack it. I jack up people's name all the time. So no judgment at all. (laughs) All right. So here we have Justine Astacio. Right? Yes. (laughs) From Lotus Theory, and uh, we are signing out. Thank you so much. You're welcome, my love. Space, space, space.